Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More. This week we finish up 2023 and we talk about just the profound nature of the incarnation and how it changes everything. We camp out in a little Pauline hymn. Uh, and we just reflect a little bit on 2023. So it's a good episode, and thank you for listening. Okay, we're back in the studio. Our friend Luke is still on Christmas vacation, mm-hmm. so I, I hope that's going well. I think they're traveling back maybe even today. Uh, but this is our first podcast in the new year. Come on now. So happy... <sighs> 2024. That's the oh, crowd clapping. I'm here, sorry. Wait, I just did no, it myself. I've got one. I, I, sometimes this doesn't work. So okay. uh, for everybody, I'm pushing a button right now. <laughs> it's called Big Cheer. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually Big Cheer or not. Yeah. All right. And, do it. and it's still going. It. And there we go. Yeah. yeah what, just, to, just to be careful, why don't you go ahead and Big Cheer for us? <laughs> 2024, everybody. <laughs> we got it. Okay. So, but we're, okay, we're in a little bit of a liminal space we this are. week because the last sermon you preached, which is what this podcast is about, mm-hmm. was in the 2023 era, right. era. Very Yet last day we of the year. are sitting here on my father's birthday. No, for January real. 3rd. I need to call him. I haven't called him yet. I, I saw him in person a few days ago, gave him yeah. a gift, all that. But um, I got him a pair of Hey Dudes. You know, the shoes that all these old guys are wearing? <laughs> <coughs> oh, my gosh. I said, hey. Happy birthday, Mr. Reed. If you're 45 or older at Fresh Rebels Arlington, these shoes are really cool. <laughs> he liked them. Yeah. He's 72 today, I think. Anyway, that's my dad. Happy birthday, Dad. And what a good dude. Oh, Let's hope guy. he goes out and shoots his age today. He, oh, wow. That'd be pretty good, right? That would be yeah. good if we're not well, shot of 72. Yeah, we'll, good. we'll wish that for him. <laughs> anyway. um, okay, but that's... Well, Da, 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 da. It's January 3. We're in a liminal space. So we have committed, though, we're going to finish out 2023 with this podcast. Well, yeah, because yeah. you have a sermon that we haven't talked about yet. That's right. And it was full of theology mm-hmm. and tells us a lot about Jesus. Mm-hmm. What well, You went a lot of places with it. The nature yeah. of salvation, the necessity of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, his humility and mm-hmm. emptying himself to be mm-hmm. among us. And mm-hmm. then this beautiful, is it a hymn? Is it a poem? Did Paul make it up? So right. we're going to get into all of right. that. So Perfect. where do you want to start, Dennis Wiles? I have questions. You want me to just throw some out? <laughs> well, I would say it's been a great Advent season. I've loved our conversation on the Incarnation, which is a significant, meaningful conversation. Yeah. Just our worship ministry as well. Just done such a good job. Well, when you think about story. Advent, we talked about this music is just such a part of it mm-hmm. and leading us into worship and all these mm-hmm. special programs that mm-hmm. are a part of it from, mm-hmm. oh, you powerful, name it, powerful. Senior Adult Choir, yes. the Night of New Beginnings, yes. this, Christmas Eve services, Christmas Eve services the combined so sweet. The combined Sunday mornings mm-hmm. are sweet because mm-hmm. you, I looked out and you see everybody. I mean, everybody's right. here, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the ones that are here. But you see our older people mm-hmm. sitting with our youth because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. both of their seats. That's uh, right. It's just mm-hmm. a, it's a good thing. So anyway, mm-hmm. cut you off, but no, it was yeah, really there's good. a lot to reflect on. Mm-hmm. Just, just a great season, and it's always. I mean, Christmas is always meaningful to us, but I think this year, at least for me, particularly meaningful. Just having the time to just reflect on just the the beauty of the incarnation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, of course, Sunday, Philippians 2 is one of my all-time favorite texts. I love mm-hmm. the book of Philippians in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just this warm letter full of joy. And uh, and Paul writes it in prison, which I'm, I love that every mm-hmm. time. I'm going to be in Rome here in about a month. And it's so, coming. Um, every yeah. time we go to Rome, we go to Paul's house, what we believe at least was where he and Luke were during that two-year stay. And uh, 
always ask the people that are with us, what do you think Paul was thinking about while he yeah. was here? Well, yeah. good news is we know some of what he was thinking. Philippians, he wrote here. So mm-hmm. he says there to um, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, mm-hmm. you know, and um, tells us to not be anxious about things, you know. Think about that. What a, we're in an anxiety-ridden culture. Don't be anxious. Pray about everything and, and and allow the peace of God that passes all comprehension and understanding surround you in Christ and guard you, really, it says, in Christ Jesus. So uh, this is a beautiful book. And then right in the middle of it, let's talk about it. You've got this um, in chapter 2. Like I'm, I've got the NIV uh-huh. with me today. And, yes, and as I are. said, Sunday on morning, my, it's, on phone. it's set off, mm-hmm. you know, somehow. Mm-hmm. The Quoted. translators are telling you in their understanding this is some type of poem or hymn that yeah. that's the message when you've got when you've got a set like this mm-hmm. actually in the text sure. so so a lot of scholars what do you believe say? that tell that, us what the scholars think they think that it's a hymn okay the probably the biggest question that they typically ask is um was this paul's composition right or is paul quoting a hymn that was familiar already to the church right we know that the church hang, sang hymns about christ um, in uh, one twelve, um, we have a letter from um, um, mm. Pliny the Younger. In the year one twelve, A.D. one twelve, and he had um, he, he lived in Bithynia, lived in Asia Minor, Turkey mm-hmm. today, and so he writes the emperor Trajan mm-hmm. and says, "What do you want me to do with these Christians? I've I've captured a group of Christians here, and they're not paying homage to our gods. Mm-hmm. They're they're not." Um, and their meeting in, in Rome was very suspicious of what they called secret societies. Mm-hmm. They said these people are meeting in these secret meetings, and they are um, they're taking a meal. He says something like they're they're also taking these pledges, but the pledges seem harmless. They they won't sleep in, an, in another um, person's bed. They, they, in other words, they won't commit yeah. adultery. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pledge their loyalty to each other. They won't steal. So he says, you know, so they're, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're what do you want taking to do? these pledges. So what does that mean? Mm-hmm. He said, however, they also, when they, we, we have two deaconesses that we've arrested and these deacons, which is fascinating. This is right. 112. 112. Yeah. They, For those who have ears to hear. Yeah. He just, says, just mull it over. These two deaconesses were asking them, well, what do you do in worship or whatever it is y'all are doing? And they've told us, well, we sing hymns to antiphonally to Christ as a God. And so Pliny tells Trajan that he says, so mm. whoever this Christ is, they're singing to him hymns antiphonally as if he's a God. He says, so I'm just trying to decide, what do I do with these people? Right. Do I kill them? Do I you know, yeah. um, torture them? Do I um, confiscate yeah. everything it's they little, have? It's a little bit yeah. like the trial of Jesus. Yeah. I was like, you're not really doing anything exactly. wrong. What, what do you want me to do? What do we do? Yeah. So it's really fascinating. Yeah. But um, anyway, so we know early on they're yeah. singing hymns. That right. shouldn't surprise us. You you have uh, the people of God historically but using like, the Psalms. To state the obvious, yeah, it's not so, an Old Testament quote. That's right. Because it's talking about Jesus. I that's mean, it's exactly you know it's clearly about Jesus. That's right. So, so it's, it's not like it's we're pulling new. from Isaiah. Yeah, yeah. it's brand new. Yeah. And so so the question is, did Paul write it? Did he quote it? <clears throat> I, I, you know, I'm. Yeah, what do you I'm, what, I'm did, what do they say and what do you yeah, think? Um I think Paul wrote it. You're the closest thing we have to a scholar in this room. No, no offense, <laughs> Addison, our scary. videographer. <laughs> that's kind of scary. Um yeah. but I think Paul wrote it. I think okay. that, now the thing that now here's what some scholars say against that argument. They say, well, you got Paul's corpus. We look at all his material that he's written. And in this text, you have two 
uh, words in particular that are only used here. They're okay. not found anywhere else. And so they're like, hmm. Paul doesn't use those words. Okay. Yeah, and what Paul are they? Paul doesn't use those words. Why are those words here? Sure. So, so like the word being in the very nature of God, that's one of the words. Okay. That, in verse seven, that's that verse six and verse seven. Well, I'm sorry, verse six, the very nature of God, verse seven, taking the very nature of a servant, morphe yeah. is the Greek word there. Okay. Then you also have, Hmm. Um, in, uh, let's see, in verse nine, God gave him, uh, I'm sorry, uh, God exalted him to the highest place. That phrase exalted him is uh -huh. a word that's not found anywhere okay. else in Paul's writings. Yeah. So some scholars say, hmm, that's interesting. If, the, yeah. if that's so important to Paul, why would he not ever use it anywhere right. else? And so he's probably just quoting a hymn. I get it, but it, I don't know. It just feels to me like in the, in the text itself, it feels like Paul is, is, is making an argument about how, he expects the Philippians to behave, and I think he, caught up in the inspiration of the Spirit, composes this beautiful hymn. In the moment? And I, or you I think, think so. he had it in his journal, you know, in his prayer journal? Yeah, from... I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it was, it was something he'd given a lot of thought to because it's so theologically dense. And the way it's indented, yeah. so, you do think he's yeah. kind of... Okay. But that's been done by modern translators. You know, it's not indented. Oh. It's not indented in the original text. So they just say this is a unique. That's what we this do. Is a yeah, we do it text. to single it out to show you sure. this is what we think. What we but, do. I love and that. the other, the other, um, what would you say? Controversy, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. Textual considerations, maybe, are um, is this? Uh, and, and, and it goes back to verse five. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. How the NIV translates it. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned Sunday morning. You don't really have a verb there. You've kind of got to supply it. It's implied. Yeah. And so some scholars say, well, this is not really an ethical admonition to be like Jesus. This is more calling to mind how Jesus is. So mm. you got two schools of thought. One of them is called the charismatic school. Right. comes from the word charisma, which means huh. to teach. And the other one's the ethical school that well, maybe this is an, an and ethical And you think demand. that hinges on how you interpret five? Verse five. In, yeah, your, in yeah. NIV, says, in your yeah. relationship with one another, right. have the same mindset correct. as Christ Jesus. But they add that. Well, have, have this. Right, yes. yeah. And so it could be um, just a, 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 a phrase that points you to Jesus, not necessarily challenging you to be like him. That's the charismatic view, that this is just an instruction on him. What do you think about that? Um, I think that it's ethical. I think what Paul is basically saying is, here's who, I think it's both. Well, here's what, who Jesus is. Now, have this attitude in you right. as you live in your relationships. My non-scholar posture is like, if you're, if Paul's describing who Jesus is, mm -hmm. isn't it always a call for us to then be <laughs> yeah. like him? Right. And I mean, does, that's the subtext. Right. He does that in other texts. You yeah. know, you have, you have numerous other texts from Paul, Romans, several places where Paul does that. He'll point you it to says, Jesus and he's challenging you. Same mindset. Yeah, that's Jesus. Right. That's right. Here's who so Jesus is. I think it's ethical. I don't think it, well, I, th I can see how yeah. it's both, but it's not a hard stretch yeah. to say. Then Paul might sure. actually want us to try to be like right. that, you know. And, and the other, I guess, somewhat controversial questions, verse 7, okay. and it's called the canonic theory, and that is Paul made himself nothing. He made I, himself I mean, nothing. Jesus made himself nothing. Which the is Greek a crazy kenosis. statement. Yeah, what does that mean? Emptied himself is literally what the word means. Yeah. Of his divinity. Well, is that the idea? That's what some people would argue. And what do other people and argue? And the other argument is that um, Jesus is fully divine and okay. fully human, so he doesn't empty himself of his divinity. What I would argue is, and what I think most, uh, like I said Sunday morning, you want to be careful when you're, when you're quote, when you're... It's hard to not be a heretic, right? Correct. Yeah. You don't want to be Because it's quite a dance. <laughs> exactly right. To thread the needle. Particularly when it comes to the Trinity. You know, because it's this infinite right. thing we that's can't really right. comprehend. Be careful with your language. And we're trying to capture him. You know, for example, there's order in the Trinity, but there's not rank. 
you know, mm-hmm. so be careful. Be careful how you talk about the Trinity. Do you want to tell us more about the Trinity? Do you want to go there? <laughs> well, I would and just almost, say... I would say almost, almost every meta- metaphor for the Trinity bre- breaks down into heresy. It's, it's lacking. Yeah, if you get, If is. you're not careful, you push it too far. Yep. So, but kenosis empty him, emptied himself. Yeah. Paul says Jesus did that. What I would say that means is he emptied himself of his position in the Trinity, okay. not his divinity. He's fully divine. Yeah. Now, while he's on earth... I think the, the the way I would see Jesus operating on earth is that he doesn't use his divinity to his advantage. That's what this text says. Right. And so when Jesus is performing miracles on earth, I would say he's doing those in the power of the Holy Spirit in somewhat of a unique way that was unique to him because mm-hmm. of who he was. Um, but it's not just the fact that he's divine. He was human, but yeah. he was anointed by the Spirit of God in, in, in a special way for him to play the messianic role he played. He's, an, mm-hmm. he's anointed at his baptism. Mm-hmm. And so therefore he has these uh, spirit-filled powers, if you will, mm-hmm. that um, escape us, but they're examples of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, you know, like you, you'll read where John will say, well, nobody had to tell Jesus what anybody was thinking. He already knew. Well, yeah. okay. What are you supposed to think about that? You, <laughs> yeah, know? you know, what well, do we he, make of that? He obviously is not like us. And yet at the same time, he got hungry. He went to sleep, woke up in the morning. He was like us. Yeah. And so um, in this text, is trying to state that in a very beautiful way. I love the comprehensive nature of Philippians 2. Um, just this whole idea of the, the condescension of Jesus, that he's willing to step out of eternity, empty himself of his status, if you will, and be robed in human flesh. And so that's why I said I talked Sunday morning about how when, when we went to the Holy Land, there was so much to see. We did a whole lot over the course of six or seven days, however long we were there, I've forgotten now. But for me, um, the highlight for me, now Jerusalem is incredible. Mm-hmm. Church of the Holy Sepulchre, yeah. you know, you come face to face with the resurrection of Christ. But Bethlehem, um, the church in the nativity was was the most worshipful time mm. for me mm. um, because, you know, you descend down underneath the church um, to these caves and, you know, you think about Constantine, his mom, when she goes and pays a trip to the Holy Land, St. Helen or Helena, he tells her, find the holy places and we'll build a church there. Mm-hmm. Well, in Jerusalem, she's asking the, the local Christians, where was Jesus crucified? Where was he resurrected from the dead? Well, you're only 300 years or so from it. I realize that's, that's a long time and a lot has happened. You know, right. you've had a lot of the Romans have done a lot of damage to the Holy Land by then. But... It's not that far right, removed in relative and, terms, right? Yeah. And so the Christians took her to this spot and said, "Well, this is where we believe it happened." So she, um, with Constantine's gift, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is built right there. Well, she goes to Bethlehem and says, "Okay, where was Jesus born?" Well, they take her to the the shepherds' fields. Say, "Well, here's where the shepherds were." And best we know, this section of caves is kind of where everybody stayed. You know, they were. There were lodges and right when you think of the manger, and, yeah, everything hewn out of these yeah. the side. If you, Wait, it's not this little thatched roof, no, no wooden I, structure. No, you know what I mean. Yeah. W- which we right, yeah, we we try to depict it that way, but right. no, actually, but no room in the inn. It's yeah. not you know a motel six with a garage. That's right, yeah. and you stay in the garage. That's right. it's, it's a series of caves. Yeah, it's 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 contextual. Which, yes, and natural. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a place of of natural shelter, if you will. Yeah. And very common in that part of the world. You think about around the Dead Sea, they found all these scrolls in a whole yeah, series of caves. caves yeah. you know? So you have those there. 
I think, you, I think that's a helpful, not that, I mean, not a corrective image, like what's yeah. dangerous for us, but when you think yeah. about the landscape mm -hmm. and what, when we think away in the manger, yeah. it's a, yeah. a sheltered place right. that's kind of built into a hillside or something Correct. like that. And, you know, and, and it's, it's where they would have kept their animals. And, yeah. you know, if there wasn't room for, uh, it, it's almost like the innkeeper kind of gets a bad rap because it, it, it appears I don't know, but it well, appears. Ryan, we don't get a lot of, yeah. That, you know, he You're reading a lot into the text. Yeah, he didn't necessarily have a spot, but it's not like he just, it, it appears like he just turned them away. I right. mean, he did have a place where at least the animals were kept. And, you know, and these were rural people. It's, yeah. I mean, if you've ever, when I pastored a country church, people aren't put off by having their cows right up next to their house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so far. Yeah. So it's not like it's And they were weird. Ac accommodating to the best level that they could be. It appears to be so. Yeah. You know, and so... um so anyway, but still, the um, fact that the Son of God was born, of course, not humble. in a palace. I, I was going to say, I mean, wasn't born don't miss in it. Rome, right? Yeah, he was born in. He was born in a cave in rural, on the backside of the empire, not even in Jerusalem, and not even inside. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, so I don't so, want to yeah, let's keep that in front it's of about us. About as humble as you can get. But it. when you talk about the innkeeper who gets this bad rap, yeah, it yeah. could he actually could have been as hospitable as possible. Correct. In that scenario, mm -hmm. and that's the image I like to paint of him. But nevertheless, yeah. But the point is, when we went there, well, it's just humbling. I mean, you, you, you know, you descend down these steps and all of a sudden you're in this series of caves and you have an altar there to the innocents and, and you read, you know, where Herod slaughtered all these babies. And so because of the birth of Jesus, so you've got this um, reminder that with the birth of Jesus, not only was there sacrifice for him, there was impact on the mm -hmm. entire community that this has happened. And it was a reminder of just how broken the world is and how desperately we needed a Savior. And the fact that he was born in such a vulnerable a way, even susceptible to the whims of a despot. Mm -hmm. Think about it, Herod. And so, um, so when Jerome felt led to translate the Bible into the language of the people, the common language of the people, which would have been Latin, what Vulgate means. It's the, it's the common um, translation, if you will. Mm. He said, I need, to be, I need to be as close to Jesus as I can. So he, he hewn him out a little spot, and he right. lived in that cave right next to yeah. where Jesus was born. And, um, and so you have a, a little altar there, kind of a reminder of St. Jerome. I don't know. And I, you know, I'm, just, I'm standing there in that spot thinking, okay, so, so we've just come from the shepherd fields. So we've read Luke 2 about how the shepherds are, and, and there's still shepherds there. They still have sheep there. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, you're, you're standing there looking at it thinking, oh my goodness. So somewhere in these heavens, these right here, um, an angel, and then a host of angels appeared to a group of shepherds. And then you go into the into the church, and when you're in the entry into the church, they have a little small door you have to bow down to get into. Mm -hmm. So the humility starts as soon Entry. as you arrive on yeah. the campus, if you will, and you you know you ease down into it, and uh, and then you just kind of take this journey back into antiquity, and you still have some of the same timbers and flooring from the original sanctuary, which is three twenty five ish, three thirty maybe. Um, the modern church has been built over it, but but I mean you're going back to one of the oldest churches still operating, if you will, in the in the in the empire, and then you know you go down. And when you get down to that cave, you stand there, and, and there it is. This is as best we can tell. If it wasn't this cave or this cave, there's a whole series of them. It was in here somewhere. The Word became flesh, you know, and dwelt among us. 
And then I, I thought about Jerome, and, uh, um, and here's a man that uh, had this massive impact on the world by putting the Bible now, in the language of the people, eventually Latin will no longer be the language of the people, and the Vulgate kind of became the language of the clergy, if right. you will, the church. But at the time, but it's not how it, it started. Was intended, yeah, it yeah. was for people yeah. just to read, and the, the common parish priest or right. pastor, whoever, yeah. to be able to read this text. Well, it's and, like the original text being in yeah, Greek, and interpret according, to you know, our people, yeah. What they're reading. So I was just pretty overwhelmed, <laughs> you know. So Philippians 2 just speaks that to me, just the humility huh. of Jesus. Takes you back to that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and then when we walk out, we come up on the Roman Catholic side of the church, and they're singing, Oh, come let us adore him in English. Hmm. And uh, I told the Lord, I said, I guess you knew I was coming, you know, <laughs> um, here today. This hmm. was just so powerful. So, yeah, the incarnation to me is that it's, it's at the heart of everything I believe about Christianity. And, and then Paul... It's like Paul can't help himself. This is why I think Paul wrote it. Okay. He has to go to the cross. He he has to connect you to the death of Christ and the payment for our sin and the 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 great plan of redemption connected to the story of the incarnation. And then again, it's almost like he can't help himself. You know, you have the exaltation of Jesus that you know he's given this name that's above every name. That's thrown some people for a loop. They think, well, does he get some kind of secret name? Well, no, I think it just means he's the Lord. Jesus yeah. Christ is yeah. Lord. It's above every name. And then Paul goes on to say, and on top of that, every creature is going to proclaim the truth of that. Yeah, can we talk more about that? Wow. So, you know, I'm just like, awesome. It's almost, I'm almost scared to preach it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, because like Shekinah Glory just yeah, comes off the text. Just, so it's like, it's like you... You limit it by trying to preach on it. So it's like you need to read it and just sit with it, you know? Well, and it, if Paul wrote it in that way, then maybe that's what it's designed to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. it's not just a theological treatise, but a, a worshipful mm -hmm. text, yeah. right? It just has that feel to it to me. Can I ask you about, you, you quoted it. So at the end of this little hymn, whatever it is, 9, mm -hmm. 10, 11. Mm -hmm. Therefore God exalted him to the highest places, gave him, gave him the name that is above every name. Right. Mm -hmm. Which to me is kind of like Lord of Lords, King of, King of right. Kings, just mm -hmm. is the that's guy, you know. I think that's what but I'm then saying. this part, at the, that at the name of Jesus, mm -hmm. every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the right. Father. What does that mean? Come on now. <laughs> Amen. He, well, he says it, Paul says it. <laughs> Yeah. So, I, I mean, but really, what is that? Is that an end time? Is that a kind of I'd revelation? Say. I think it is. We'll all come around the throne. Yeah, I think is that, it's that an idea? eschatological um, prophetic word from Paul. That at the name of Jesus, mm -hmm. in the end. In the end. I'm kind of reading that in. will bow. Every creature. Yeah. And I think he just... Whether you confess again, him on... Again, it's, it's stated poetically. Yes. You know, um, where he says, you know... On the earth, under the earth, in heaven. <laughs> so what right. is under the earth? Well, oh, yes. this point being, comprehensively, all of creation is going to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And I would see that as an eschatological reality, that one day, um, no matter who you are and no matter whether you accepted Christ in your lifetime, you will acknowledge that He's Lord at some point before this is all over with. And it doesn't, I don't believe that means that at that point you are redeemed. I just mm -hmm. think it means you've acknowledged who the Son of God really is. Everybody will get it. Correct. And mm -hmm. so, again, 
It connects me to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus says, is there yeah, any way to do this? That. The Father says So yeah, no. when we talk about, the, okay, let's, let's go there if that's okay with you, this exclusivity of yeah. Jesus, mm -hmm. the particularity yeah, of Jesus. The scandal of particularity. The scandal of particularity, <laughs> as right. some call it. That's right. Uh, scandal because it's, it's difficult, it's a stumbling block, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sure. particularity it's because hard. it's just Jesus. It's narrow. It's so, and of course, I mean, for the listener, y'all have probably thought about this. We probably talked about it on here, but you're saying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, if there's another way, mm -hmm. let's do that. Amen. Because I don't want to go suffer and die. Right. I mean, am I reading that? And, yeah, and, yeah. and not only that, it's I don't want to take on the sins of the world. Yeah, I, it's not just I don't want to go suffer yeah, and die. It's me taking on the sins of the world. And he says, I don't. I don't want yeah, this. Is there another way to do it? Can you, Again, poetically, take this cup from me. Can you do that? And uh, the answer is there's no other way to redeem humanity except for this perfect sacrifice, which means you've got to take on the sins of the world. Therefore, so think about the yeah. utter humility of the Son of God that because of my selfishness, my, my sinfulness, my demands, you know, my brokenness, all of that, he has to take all that on himself. Uh, yeah, that's that's also the humbling part of all this. That, that's why, again, it's just been a meaningful journey for me this year to just pause and reflect on all of that, and uh, and to be grateful to uh, to the Lord uh, for what He's done for us, and um, and so He's worthy to me of giving our life to Him. Mm. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna do my best to live for Him. Long as I as I live, give him what he deserves. Don't do it perfectly, but I think about it every day. Thought about it this morning. How do I do that? Well, church listeners, aren't we glad? That's our pastor. <laughs> the posture of our pastor. Because yeah. it's humbling, you know. My goodness, you, I mean, I can get emotional about it. I can't help it. I just, I mean, what do you say? I mean, when when you see Jesus. As a Christian now, what what would what do you even say to him? Thank you. <laughs> I mean, where do you even start? It's almost like the way I perceive it. I'm, I think I'm going to say this: Jesus Christ is Lord. But I think for a couple hundred thousand years, I'm not going to say anything because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> what am I going to say to him? Yeah. I mean, I can't even comprehend what he's done yeah. for us for the whole world, um, and I'm and I want everybody to know it. You know. Um, a few years ago, Cindy's leaving for Africa on Thursday, and um, the last time I was with her there in Sierra Leone, we were we had this medical clinic, and uh, one of the men there in one of the he didn't live in the village where we had the clinic. He was in a neighboring village, but he didn't get to the, see the doctor, um, and and we knew it because we saw him. He's an older man, and you have to get a ticket. It's, it's a long story, but we're leaving. Um, and we're driving out of the, uh, and we go right through his village on the way out, and and he's standing there waving at us on the side of the road, and he's smiling, and and so we we just stopped to speak to him, and through the translator, he just said, "Thank you for coming," and uh, he's one of the ones who gave his life to Jesus, and he just said, um, "I didn't get to see the doctor," he said, "But thank you, my family did, and mm -hmm. you know my grandchildren were able to see the doctor. Thank you." Um, I'm, and I forgot how he worded all that. I don't know if he said doctor, but I mean he yeah, got medicine, the, yeah, you know, whatever. And then he said, but I got something even better. Mm. He said, y'all, you, you've introduced me to the Jesus way. And he said, that's really what I needed. And he had this big smile on his face. And man, I just, you know, I just teared up and I thought, and that. What do you do with that? That, you know, we could have we helped him with 
whatever was going wrong with him. But he's going to get sick again. You know, he's an older man who lives in a remote village in West Africa. Okay, he's going to get sick again. But what what we gave him on that trip, well, you know what? doesn't matter. You, you, it, it, Transcends, uh-huh. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. He'll have that from now on. And and uh, we'll get to see him in heaven one day. And uh, so mm. and he won't need a doctor then. So, you know, it's just a good reminder to me of what Jesus has done for us, you know? so Yeah, so incarnation, why does it matter? Yeah. Yeah. It matters. Yeah, it a little does. bit. Yeah. It's like ch- everything kind of changes else. everything. Yeah, everything else matters because of the incarnation. Right. Everything else you preached on in 2023 yeah. matters yeah. because right. of who Jesus yeah. is and what That's he did. Right. It's awesome. And the profound humility yes. of Jesus. Yeah, it's humbling. And we should be humbled by it. We should be. We, sh- we should. I mean, I'm, I'm working on the series for Lent and Easter right now, and I'm almost done with it. And I'm I'm very excited about sharing it with the church. But it's also been humbling, you know, as I'm I'm using the Psalms of Ascent as our guide and thinking about how we don't know everything about the Psalms of Ascent, but there's a section in our Bibles, you know, that starts about Psalm 120, whatever, 121, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, what, what would that have 15 meant? of them. Okay. And, and so what we believe... Yeah is that as the Jews were making their way to Jerusalem, their kind of an annual pilgrimage mm-hmm. for a feast, um, they didn't just go to Jerusalem. They prepared they their hearts to go. They ascended to Jerusalem. They ascended. you got to go up a hill. Yeah. Jerusalem's on a hill. You always right. go up to right. and down right. from, right. no matter where you're from. Yeah. And, uh, but as they ascended, as least best we can tell in the ancient world, they sang these psalms. Uh, they, they, In other words, they spent time preparing themselves to be in the presence of God. Mm. They didn't just show up, you know, they like prepared. You, you didn't strut into Jerusalem. That's not how yeah. it worked as a pilgrim. Mm-hmm. You came These humbly. festivals didn't sneak up on you. That's right. Yeah. You, you were prepared and 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 you and you studied so and we, prayed and prepared your heart. And so here yeah. we are. We're gonna we're about to What can we learn from that? Yeah, we're right. launching a new year, but in, on on um Ash Wednesday, which is on Valentine's Day this yeah, year, which is coming quick. Yeah. Um well we'll 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 turn our face to Jerusalem. That's mm-hmm. what we'll do as a church. Well, what I'm going to encourage us to do is, okay, well, let's ascend the hill then. Let's let's do that on a, with a spiritual journey. You know? I love that. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's, again, it's very humbling. I'm, I'm using Mark also because I want to make sure we have the narrative of the of a gospel narrative connected to the Psalms of Ascent. So I'm kind of putting those two together. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really, um, I'm looking forward to that journey. But it's been, I'm, I'm sitting at home feeling the humility of myself of, man, we need to be prepared for this, you know, because mm-hmm. we're we're going to um, we, we've got the incarnate Son of God now, who's going to offer up His life for us. So, going to prepare ourselves for that. So, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Mm. But before we get to that, we're going to do a little Ephesians work in the first part of the year. So let's not miss it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. I think it's going to be yeah. really good. So, well, yeah. okay, big picture, 2023. Mm-hmm. We we recapped a little bit last week, but yeah. anything you want to just tell your people? Any takeaway that it was. A, I mean, why does it matter is such mm-hmm. a captivating mm-hmm. question to put before mm-hmm. our people right. and our preaching. Mm-hmm. But anything stand out? I mean, obviously, we talked about our personal lives. Both both were it took turns. Yep, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, a little sandwich. A year ago, yesterday, we brought the boys home from the hospital. Wow. So I was reflecting on that all yesterday. <laughs> it will always be the craziest day of my life, I think. But it's been a year, yeah. and uh, you know, we, you talked last week about just your family and. Uh-huh. Um, sure. curveballs, right? Mm-hmm. But for the life of our church, yeah. 
and just this journey that we've been on. Anything stand out? Anything you want to kind of leave our people with as we end 2023? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I love that question, why does it matter? Because I think that's I think that's the core question of our society right now. Why does anything matter? And if you lose transcendence and just a knowledge of the holy and the presence of God, and it really really reduces everything mm. to me. And so I just think we've spent a year hopefully lifting our gaze. But also our hope was that uh, in terms of apologetics, which comes from the Greek word, which means to defend, we've, we've been given an arsenal as a church over this last year to be able to, um, to share mm. our faith mm -hmm. in an articulate way that's compelling and appealing. Yeah. That's been the goal. And I hope that's I hope that's happened for our people that there have been opportunities for them to be thoughtful about. Okay, this right here is worth telling, but I need to figure out how to tell that in a compelling way, in a way that's appealing, not being judgmental, um, but actually articulates why articulates why something really matters. Mm -hmm. So that's what I hope we've accomplished. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously, I've reflected on it. You know, as the years come to an end, I found myself doing that on New Year's Eve night. Mm -hmm. um, Looking back over the year, thinking, okay, we've come through a year, and it's been interesting, you know, and how how well have we done with all that? And I, and I think too, it's not. I think it's not just this year, Katie. Probably what I would say is, um, you know, I've been doing this a long time, mm -hmm. and um, I look at where we've been as a church over the what I would just say this last season, if you will, where we make the decision after a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of prayer that we need to um, address the campus of the mother church. Mm -hmm. we, need to, we need to make sure that the nerve center, if you will, has what it needs, yep. you know, to be able to provide the, the ministries that grow out of here. Mm -hmm. That was a big decision. The blessing of the generations was a huge decision Right when I us. rolled in here, we started that. I yeah. mean, yeah. it's been we part just, of my reality yeah, since we've been here. Yeah, I was going to say since you came. Literally. And, yeah. um, and it took a long time to get to it. Well, it was a big decision for the church, but we did it. And um, and it was a huge investment financially and emotionally and spiritually. It took our, it took a lot of our best attention. It did. Didn't it? it really it needed did. it. it yeah. And it needed it. I yeah. think. And it's a generational gift. It's it's a it's something we've done that will outlive us. I mean that that preschool children's building and some of the renovations we've done. That we've planted trees that we may never see. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's yeah. my sense. Um, and then we go through. We navigate our way through um, a, a pandemic that was so pervasive into our every segment of our culture, our families. Um, just, just nothing like it that I've ever experienced. Maybe, you know, I wasn't alive during World War II, so I can only imagine what mm. was a world war like, you know, and how did churches manage their way through the tumult, you know, of of and the uncertainty. You know, like we, you know, now, you know, we watch movies about World War II. Well, we know we win. So right. it's pretty easy for me to watch, you know, yeah. pick one yeah. of them. It's hard. You know, the you know? end. Yeah, Don't but you? I'm thinking. Even but, if you know, you're in the moment. Yeah. yeah, but, but you know, we win. So yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Well, what if you're in it, you know, and you're sacrificing your, your children, you know, and you don't know if you're going to win or not? Well, that, I'm just only, I'm trying to imagine what must that have been like and yeah. how did the, how did churches handle that and how did they manage their way mm through it and on the other side of it and how do you deal with with the um after effects of all the devastation and 
and death and rebuilding and forgiveness and all those kinds of things. So I can only imagine. So I, I didn't live through anything like that. But the pandemic, to me, had had that kind of pervasiveness to it on just multiple levels. Then we've had this, um, what do you want to call it, massive uh, cultural polarization, mm -hmm. you know, of just the right. angry voices at extremes mm -hmm. all around us pick an issue. So <laughs> I look at all of that uh -huh. and think, wow. Here are the factors. Yeah, we have, we have managed our way through and navigated through some really interesting seasons as a church. In the last yeah. eight years. Yeah, five or six, yeah, six or seven years. Yeah. And uh, easily, I would say. Finished the sanctuary the, in 17. Yeah. I mean, that kind of helps That's us. Right. That was yeah. the first project. Right. That was Finished the first thing to say we did it. Yeah. So, yeah, so here we are in 20. 23, now, 24. now 24. Yeah. So it's been seven years. Mm -hmm. um, and that's and, just the tips of the eye. I mean, if you're looking at, if, if that's the Rocky Mountains, those are the 14ers. Yeah, that's right. There's all that. There's so uh, much know, rugged, ragged edges. You know, on, you know, yeah. And there's you know, a lot there is, below yeah. the surface. Correct. It's just so much that makes up the fabric of who we are right now. That's right. Yeah, and I look at it and I think, wow, we have. Yeah. It's easily been, I've been through some challenging seasons as a pastor. There's no doubt about that. And I've been through some hard seasons I would just say, in terms of of dexterity and 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 nuance and and being able to somehow um, predict and plan and respond um, using all of those skills, this is this has been the most challenging era. Fascinating for all of that, yeah. You know, and so and there's a bit. Um, <clears throat> well, you've talked about it. Some of that can be energizing. Yeah, can mm -hmm. be. Yeah, absolutely. Some of it can be defeating. That's right. But there's a little it's kind of to a me, dual, it's kind of a dual-edged sword. Yeah, I think there's a an opportunity mm -hmm. to shake some of it off. That's right. And pioneer. Mm -hmm. I'm not really a pioneer, but yeah. man, everybody's got to put their pioneer hat on right mm -hmm. now. Yeah, because it's just a new frontier. It just is. really, really is. So, so, and I'm okay. I'm grateful for where we are. We've I think we've we've had a, a I think a meaningful year theologically, spiritually, in every other way for us. And I think now we've turned the corners. 2024. Our theme is together, mm -hmm. which I think is fitting as we're rebuilding our life post-COVID. Um, and there's just a sense in my heart of a calling for us to be together as the people of God and to do things together and understand even more deeply what that means and call people into community, you know, at a deeper level. So that's that's what I'm hopeful for in the year ahead of us. Well, we're going to put a pin in it. Okay. Because next week we're going to talk about the year ahead of us, That's which right. we're, we've been build, building toward it and we're That's excited right. about it. Uh, but we're going to talk about it next week. So right. thank you all for listening and watching. And we look forward to being back next week with our friend Luke. Have a good week. listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.